Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Reverend Joel Aya is the president and founder of Living Faith Foundation, a group of churches worldwide. He is a dynamic servant of God who has maintained a consistent walk with the Lord for over 30 years. God has used him tremendously to minister the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ with powerful signs and wonders and remarkable testimonies as a result. He is the architect behind the Sorting Out program a unique and highly effective residential program based on revelatory biblical teachings and prayer. A trained engineer, Reverend Joe also has an honorary doctorate degree in theology. He is happily married to Pastor Florence Alaya and they are blessed with children. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Joe Alaya to the Pursuit of God Conference 2021. Welcome to this second part of the series, A New Day of Destiny. And I'm assuring you that in this pursuit of God, everything about your destiny shall be restored in the mighty name of Jesus. You will remember that in the part one which I dealt with you on Friday, I shared with you about the keys that helped Joseph to fulfill his destiny in spite of the opposition and the challenges he had. And I said to you that when we come back today, we are going to see the practical approach to fulfilling your destiny. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We are grateful to you for your mercy. Thank you because you are the author of our destiny. You are the one that has written whatever you have written concerning us that we shall fulfill. We are asking you today as we submit ourselves to you that each one of us will step into that divine ordination. That every person under the sound of my voice will find his direction or her direction in life and will begin to fulfill destiny. Let this day be the beginning of our fulfillment of destiny. And for those of us who are already on track, help us to begin to do better. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise, O Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We saw in the life of Joseph, as we x-rayed in the past message, that he made the best of every situation that he found himself in. He never gave in to negative emotions. He never surrendered circumstances. He used every opportunity to showcase his worth. He refused to allow anybody tag his life. He believed in himself. He believed in what God had said. He created his own happiness in spite of unfortunate developments around him. He found himself a slave, but he still made himself happy. So happy and so joyous was he that the bitterness and the frustration of slavery did not show in his attitude to the extent that the wife of his master cast a longing eye on him. He was honest, 
hardworking and trustworthy in all his dealings. In spite of being employed as a slave, he worked like a proprietor and an owner. But we found that key, a key thing in Joseph's fulfillment was that he had the fear of God and joyfully kept the commandments of God. Then we saw that Joseph was full of wisdom, endowed with wisdom, but the fear of God was the foundation for his uncorrupted, non-corrupted wisdom. And I share with you that Joseph was also full of faith. In spite of the unfortunate happenings, he never despaired. He never gave up. And then he entered his new beginning. The day came for a new beginning. There was a turnaround in this situation. And I'm believing today that somebody will experience a divine turnaround in the mighty name of Jesus. Joseph was a very gifted man, but in spite of his giftedness, brilliance, and wisdom, he was a very humble man that made sure that he gave all the glory and credit of his achievement to God. In that way, it was difficult for Joseph to stumble. Openly, clearly, everybody knew that there was a spirit working with Joseph, and it's the spirit of the Most High God. And so, when Pharaoh... When Pharaoh decided to, to engage him in doing the state business, he gave him every freedom and liberty. So Joseph entered into his new beginning. Today, we are going to look at that new beginning on a new note. And a caption to this message as overcoming the dream killers. How did Joseph overcome the killers of his dream because every great destiny will be saddled with adversaries. Adversaries will rise from the family, from the community, from professional colleagues, from the society, and even from the spirit realm. Adversity will come. Satan will rise up to stop your destiny. But I want to assure you that no matter what happens, you will overcome if you follow these principles. So, overcoming the dream killers. Songs of Solomon, Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, and the time of singing has come. And the voice of the tortured dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The winter is over. For Joseph... I call him Joseph, the star of Israel. The winter of slavery and imprisonment is over, and the flowers of freedom and dominion are blossoming. The darkness of slavery is giving way to the light of dominion because the champion that was imprisoned and chained, held in prison, held in slavery, had broken through, and the shackles, the shackles of imprisonment couldn't hold the star down. 
the old and former status is giving way for the new to take over. The long, long night of rejection and humiliation is vanishing as the dawn of a new beginning is breaking forth in the life of Joseph. Yes, he's gone past the time of slavery. Now the king has sent for him. Pharaoh wants to hear from Joseph, the great star that was held in the king's prison. It is sunrise at last for Joseph. Genesis 41, 38 to 44. Genesis 41, 38 to 34. Pharaoh said to his servants, after he sent for Joseph, and listen to him interpret the dreams and give his recommendations on how to overcome the, the famine that was just about the corner, the famine that was just about the corner. He, want, he was giving them the key to overcome it and how they will preserve the life of not only Egyptians, but the life of the extended world. Pharaoh listened to him with rapt attention and was convinced that this man has something no other man has. He said, can we find such a one as this man in whom is the spirit of the most high God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, as much as God has shown you all of this and did not show any other person, there is no one as discerning as wise as yourself. Therefore, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And verse 42, verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, today I set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him with his garment, with, in garments of fine linen, and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had, he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And the people cried before him, Bow the knee. So he set Joseph over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. What a great promotion. Out of the pit and free from chains. This is the man who yesterday night slept as a prisoner, but woke up this morning as a free man. This is the man that was still tagged a slave yesterday. But today, in the face of the bright shining sun, he is declared a prime minister over the land of Egypt. The prince has put off the prison garment. He is clean shaven and is out of prison, never to return there again. The night is over. The winter is gone forever. And the flowers are now blossoming. And the birds are beginning to sing. The sun has risen never to set again. The sun has risen never to set again. Joseph is prime minister in Egypt. He left the image of the slave behind and stepped out into freedom. He left the image of the slave behind in the prison. He stepped out into the free world and entered into freedom. He left and once he sat before Pharaoh, he knew that this was a new beginning. The sun of his destiny was finally shining. It has risen never to set again. I want to assure you, surely has God turned around things for Joseph. And he had a sunrise and recovered his destiny. You will 
recover your destiny. In the name of Jesus. You have a vision given by God. You have a vision. You have a dream given by God. For Joseph, a new day started after 13 years of sorrowing. The Lord compensated Joseph by giving him an unusual promotion after his years of humiliation, rejection, and blackmail. Those years are being replaced with years of joy and glory. A new day of celebration had begun. Glory replaced reproach. Joy replaced sorrow. And the star of Joseph is now shining brighter than the sun of Jacob. So great was his star that all other stars were dwarfed in the presence of his star. My God will so promote you. And by the end of your promotion, you will be so great that all those who are competing and contesting with you will be dwarfed by your side in the name of Jesus Christ. Those who sent Joseph to slavery and those who sent him to prison could not in any way look to his face after his promotion came. Let me, prom let me assure you today, no matter the humiliation you have gone through, my God will restore you to your destiny in the name of Jesus. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 50 to 52, Genesis chapter 41, verse 50 to 52. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughters of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, for he said, God has made me to forget all my sorrows, my toys, and my father's house. And the name of the second, he called Ephraim. For he said, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land wherein I was afflicted. Indeed, as expressed by the names of his two sons, the joy and glory of this new beginning has made Joseph to forget the sorrows and the afflictions of rejection, the sorrows and afflictions of, of slavery and imprisonment. He no longer remembers the, the pains Rather, he celebrates the joy of going through and coming out stronger and better. The joy of the new glory and unimagined enlightenment and greatness. Why? He now concluded that God must have used this crisis and affliction to work out a greater person, to develop a greater personnel, to give him strength and power and to prepare him for a greater glory. So Jotham can look back and say, God, thank you for allowing me to go into slavery. Not that God was the cause of his slavery. Not that God was the cause of his imprisonment. Not that God planned it out for him to be imprisoned. But God did something. He took over the wickedness that men meted out to Joseph. He took over the afflictions. He took over the wicked plots of the, of, the, of the enemy and turned it around and used those things as stepping stones to raise Joseph to glory. Hear what the scripture says. This is what Joseph said. God has indeed made his slavery and imprisonment to work for the greater good. Yes. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are in the call according to his purpose. God has indeed 
made the slavery and the imprisonment of Joseph to work for his greater good. It is not, is it not written that God makes all things to work out for the good of those who fear and trust in him? Those who love him. Their failures and adversities will always be turned around for the ultimate good of those who have been afflicted. It is not as if God designed and planned it, but God took advantage of the crisis. So I want to assure you, no matter the crisis you are going through, God will take those crises and turn those crises around and use it for your promotion. Yes, it may even be crisis as a result of your failure, as a result of your rebellion, as a result of your sin. It might be crisis as a result of the hatred of your loved ones, of your, of your enemies, of your colleagues. It might be crisis as a result of undescribed circumstances. So you just found yourself in the midst of this tragedy. Whatever it is, do you love God? Do you fear God? Do you trust God? God will use it to work for your good. The dream killers and the resurrected dream. The dream killers and the resurrected dream. Killed and buried in the words of the treacherous. Joseph and his dream were long gone. And his destiny destroyed. In their imagination, in the imagination of the ten brothers, ten wicked brothers, in their imagination, the dream and the destiny of Joseph will never live again. And the star will never shine. Hear what they said. Let us see how his dream will now come to pass. But who are the real dream killers? Because many times as humans, we are looking for another human to blame. No. Who are the real dream killers? I'll give you the list of the dream, dream killers. Envy and hatred. Anger and bitterness. So if you think your dream killer is Mr. A, after you kill Mr. A, Mr. B takes over the assignment of envy and hatred. You kill one witch, another witch takes over. Anger and bitterness, fear and intimidation, pessimism and negativity, anxiety and discouragement, despair and hopelessness, blackmail and framing, self-pity and defeatism, venom and vengeance. The seduction of lust and greed, self-indulgence and intemperance, self and ego, betrayal and treachery. These are the real dream killers and their cousins. All these listed items and their cousins are the real dream killers. Did Joseph succumb to self-pity? Did he succumb to discouragement? Did he get into bitterness and anger? Did he sign in for venom and vengeance? All these things were hauled at Joseph at one time or the other. His brothers hauled their hatred at him, their treachery. His master's wife brought self-indulgence to him. But he chose to keep the dream alive. He never gave up the dream or allowed it to be corrupted on the way. He could have given in to any of those offers to get his freedom. While he was trusted in his master's house, he could have taken some of the money 
and used it to work out illegitimate freedom. But he chose to remain true to the cause. He could have given it to betrayal of trust when he had all the freedom to do so. The master's wife offered herself. He could have betrayed the master's trust. He could have enjoyed the woman and entered into a secret agreement with the woman to escape, but not to be illegitimate. He chose not to. It was a choice he made. If you had the opportunity of Joseph, let me ask you, would you have done what Joseph did or you would have taken advantage of the offer? Would you have done what Joseph did or you would have taken advantage of the deadly offers? So the real dream killers are not the humans that are used by the adversity to kill your dream, but the attitudes hold at you. How do you respond to them? How you respond to them determines whether your dream will die or your dream will live. Enter the human dream killers. The human dream killers, one day found themselves standing before Joseph. They did not know a day like that would ever come. Something happened. Hunger was all over the world. And they did not know that Joseph was in charge of food. The human dream killers are on their way to come face to face with the dream they thought they had killed. And the priestly destiny they had sold into slavery. It was hatred born of envy that turned them into murderers and dream killers. Had they walked in love and in the fear of God, they would not have sold their brother into slavery. I want to challenge those of you who are listening to me. Are you a dream killer? Do you envy your brother? Do you have hatred towards your brother? Do you have bitterness in your heart? Are you struggling to kill another man's dream for your own selfish interest? Then you are the real dream killer. The ravaging hunger will soon bring them face to face with Joseph. The hatred in their hearts turned them into murderers and dream killers. If they had walked in love, they would not have sold their brother into slavery. But now, the hunger has come in the whole world. They went in search of food. And very soon they will be confronting the dream they thought they had killed. The killed but resurrected dream and destiny called Joseph the star of Israel. I call him Joseph the star of Israel. He became so bright in his shining that it was brighter than the sun called Jacob. Brighter than the moon called Rachel. In Genesis chapter 42 verse 6 to 9. Genesis 42 6 to 9. Joseph was governor over the land and it was he who personally sold food to all the people of the land. He couldn't trust another person. He was in charge of sales. So anybody who wants to buy food must get to Joseph. You must get to Joseph. So they have come to purchase food. They will stand before Joseph, the star of Israel. And Joseph saw his brothers. Before then, Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. 
They did what I call dobale. <laughs> they prostrated with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and he recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them. I spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers. But they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamt about and said to them, I don't believe you. I think you are spies that have come out to spy the land, to see the nakedness of the land and come for a raid later on. You are spies. They could not recognize him. The star, Joseph, was too bright and too great for their imagination to capture or to recognize. But the dreamer remembered when he saw them bow. The sheaves and the stars took a bow before Joseph, the star of Israel. He remembered the dream. And what was the dream? Genesis 37, 6 to 8. I had a dream. We were binding sheaves in the field. My sheaf arose and stood straight, upright. And indeed, all your sheaves, without exceptions, stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. The brother said, Oh, shall you indeed reign over us? Or you will have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for the dreams and for his words. He had yet another dream. He shared a dream. His father noted the dream and told him, stop sharing this kind of dream in the public. They hated him. They rejected him. They wanted him dead because of that. And one day, in error, allowed error, his father sent him to go and check the welfare of his brothers in the field when they went for so long and they were not returning in time. He said, go and track them and see how they are doing. So when he went out, they saw him coming. They said, here comes the dreamer. Genesis 37, verse 19 to 20. Here comes the dreamer. Let us therefore kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beasts have devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. What a brilliant but foolish idea. The dream is alive. Joseph remembered. The dream is alive. It is playing out. The dream has overpowered death and its killers. The dream and the dreamer are both alive and empowered already to fulfill destiny. So I charge you, never, never give up your God-given dream or vision. Whatever that vision or dream is, pursue it. Never, never let go of it. Two, note, every God-given dream has the innate power to overcome every adversity and fulfill its destiny. Every dream born of God has inborn power 
Every vision given by God has inborn ability accompanying it to overcome every opposition and fulfill itself. Three, never allow present, present prevailing circumstances to drown your dream or bury your God-given vision. Oh, that they are fighting. Oh, there is a war. Oh, there is opposition. Then you throw it away. No, 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 no. Never allow prevailing negative circumstances to drown or bury your God-given dream. For nothing shall be impossible to the dreamer who holds firmly to his dream. I say it again. Nothing, nothing shall be impossible to the dreamer who holds firmly to his dream. You are sure to win. Joseph was tenacious, unyielding and undeterred. He had that dream always in his focus. Ten sheets bowing. Eleven stars bowing. Now, ten sheets have come to bow. The eleventh one is at home. The dream must be complete because he saw 11 bowing. 10 have come to bow. The 11th is at home. The sun and moon will also join in bowing. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. And now it has overcome and is overcoming. The chains and humiliation of slavery could not kill the dream. In the eyes and minds of the dream killers, Joseph is long gone and forgotten. But in reality, the resurrection power embedded in the unfailing word of God kept both Joseph and the dream alive. All through prison, until the dream overpowered and overturned the oppressor. When they put Jesus to death, he did not die. He transitioned. He crossed the gate of death, left his physical body, and went to hell to prevail. And after Jesus conquered, he picked up his body. Did you not read in the scripture? There was no decay or corruption in his body. Even that body did not know effective death. Did not know the element called mortality. He did not experience mortality. That is how a God-given vision is. You may think you have killed it and you have buried it. But you'll be shocked when that dream will show up again. So, the dream came alive. Resurrected. The resurrection power embedded in the unfailing word of God kept both Joseph and the dream alive through the prison until the dream overpowered and overturned its oppressors. The dream blasted the prison gates and shattered the chains of slavery. And by another dream, arrived, resurrected, and manifested at a much higher pinnacle than it was thought of than it was expected, than it was ever imagined. In a much more, much more glorified state, too glorious to be identified by the dreamers and by the, by the dream killers. You know, where Joseph suddenly manifested was so high that the dream killers never imagined that they were standing before Joseph, the dreamer. He was so high and they were too glad to bow and to call themselves his servants. And when they finally stood before Joseph, 
the dream, the great destiny that has supposedly been killed, and the destiny that had long been destroyed, they gladly bowed and bowed and bowed, and they called themselves his servants. Keep your dream alive and never give up. And I'm saying this because of those of you who have given up your dreams. Go back and pick up your dreams. Your God-given dream, go back and pick it up. You will become what God has destined you to be. Joseph overcame venom and vengeance. In Genesis chapter 42, verse 18 to 20, after Joseph saw them and they did not recognize him, then Joseph pulled one on them. He said, you are spies? And I know you are spies and I'm going to detain you. He put them in detention for three days. Three days! They were in detention, incarceration. Ha! Was that not a tendency to take vengeance? Then he brought them out. In verse 18, he said, Joseph said on the third day, do this and live for I fear God. I told you the strength of Joseph was in the fear of God. He said, judging what this would do to me, I could have just cleared them. If indeed you are honest people, and you are for real, as you said you are. Let one of your brothers be confined here. I will detain him. While you go and bring back that your last born. So when I now know that your story is true, I will accept you for real. And I will release all of you to go. Bring your youngest brother so I can verify the authenticity, the integrity of your statement. He could have ordered their death, yet he chose to be magnanimous. But he needed to know if his brother Benjamin, his mother's only surviving son, was still alive, or the same hatred extended to him had been used to consume him. He wanted to be sure. Moreover, he longed to have fellowship with his brother Benjamin. So bring him with you if he's indeed alive. He truly had the fear of God. But if you were Joseph, you know what you could have done. Several possibilities. Jail them. Order their death. Trample them. He did none of those. He left vengeance to God. Who kept him and the dream alive in spite of their wickedness. I could see Joseph's thinking. What if God had not saved me alive? What if he allowed them to kill me? But he didn't allow them to kill me. Oh, God, glory be to you. Can you please stop planning vengeance? Can you please allow God to handle your case? In Genesis 42, 21 to 24, they had come back. You know, they had, they had not yet gone. And while they were in detention, and they were facing this trial, they said one to another in their Hebrew language. Because Joseph did not speak to them in the Hebrew language, he spoke to them through an interpreter speaking the Egyptian language. So in the 13 years of Joseph's sojourn, he had learned the Egyptian language. So he spoke to them through an interpreter. He listened to them. Hear what they said. We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For that day we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us desperately. That, but we will not hear. Therefore, see the distress we are in now, incarcerated for three days. 
and Simeon will be held down, and then we cannot go away. If we go, we must bring back Benjamin. If we don't bring Benjamin, Simeon will be rotting in the prison. And there's no food elsewhere. And according to what the man is saying, the famine will continue for a longer time. So Reuben now answered them saying, that day, did I not plead with you when I said, do not sin against this boy and you will not listen. Now, his blood is being required of us. His blood is being required of us. So what are we going to do? We are in trouble. And Joseph turned himself away from them, went to hide himself, and he wept. Why was he weeping? They pronounced him dead to all and sundry. And before Joseph, they have told Joseph that he is dead. But here they stand before the dreamer, regretting their treachery against him. Their plot to kill the dream has not only failed, but is now fighting them 20 years down the line. The wickedness you do, don't think it can be eternally covered. Your unrighteousness will not be covered. You must tell yourself the truth. Not on the day you come to terms with the truth, you will not be able to have rest. These men did not have rest for 20 years. To all the other people they reported to, Joseph was dead and buried, but in their hearts, Joseph was well and alive. Oh, how powerful the human conscience must be Bounding silently until we accept the truth and turn in repentance from our wicked and sinful deeds. Even the most hard-hearted man cannot resist the pounding blows of the conscience. Take alcohol to drown it. Go on drugs to drown it. Come back to your sober moments and you will remember again. <laughs> Even the most hard-hearted man cannot resist the power of the conscience. Why not humble yourself? Go in repentance, own up to the truth, reconcile with God, and reconcile with man. Joseph wept, not for his own pain, seeing and hearing their regret of the affliction they brought upon him. He remembered the day when they stripped him of his princely coat and put him in chains, trading his destiny. Just to kill the dream. And now the dream is alive. Rewarding good with rewarding evil with good is key to lasting victory. What did Joseph do to them now that he's setting them free? Bible says in Romans chapter 11, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. I think chapter 12. If he's thirsty, give him water. Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain. That's Genesis 42, 25. Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus, he did for them. Winners always shun vengeance. They always want to respond to those who have hurt them with goodness. Are you a winner? Or you have been the kind that is always returning evil for evil? Stop it! You want the lasting victory? Repay 
evil with good. The keys to overcoming and fulfilling destiny. So, since you want to be an overcomer, number one, the overcomer must be born of God. If you have a dream born of God, and you are not born of God, how can you win? You must be born of God. You must be born of God. You must be born of God. And how is it? First John chapter 5 verse 1 says, Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him will be God, also loves him who is begotten of him. Verse 5 says, Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So two things stand out. Believing that Jesus is the Christ and believing that Jesus is the Son of God. The overcomer, therefore, must believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he is the Son of God. It is this faith in Jesus Christ that will enable you to live your life as an overcomer. The overcoming dream must be born of God. That's the second thing. If your dream to overcome is if your dream is born of God, then it will overcome. Because 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That is, any dream, any vision overcomes the world if it is born of God. Once your dream of vision is born of God, it is sure to overcome. And every dream of vision that is born of God always overcomes. It is usually unstoppable, except the dreamer by himself bungles the dream. And finally, the strength to overcome. In 1 John 2, from verse 12 to 17, 1 John 2, verse 12 to 17, we find the strength listed. Strength number one to overcome. And Revelation 12, 11. The revelation that your sins are forgiven. This is hinged on the understanding of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that was used to make atonement for you and to wipe out every accusation with the devil can haul at you and use to claim control over your life. Two, the revelation that the love of the Father for you is giving his only begotten son to die for your sins so that you may have everlasting life. Three, the revelation of deriving strength from the word of God through faith and overcoming the adversary for your, of your destiny by believing the word of God and acting on that word. For the revelation of the victory that you have over the devil by refusing to love the world and rejecting all his seductive offers. And what are the things in the world? The lust of the flesh, which Joseph rejected. The lust of the eyes, which he rejected. The pride of life, which he refused to succumb to by being humble. And five, the revelation of the victory that is yours through the blood of Jesus over the devil. And finally, the revelation of victory to your testimony. The power of the believed and spoken word. If you understand these six revelations, then you can apply them in your life and in your vision. And you can be an overcomer. Welcome to a new beginning. And welcome to a sure victory. Your dream will stand. Nobody can kill your dream except you bungle it by yourself. If you hold fast to your dream, the God of heaven who gave you the dream 
will power you to overcome, no matter how great the challenge. And the greater the challenge facing you, the higher the fulfillment of your dream. Let us pray. Everlasting Father, thank you for this great revelation. Lord, long after my voice has gone quiet, let your spirit speak in the hearts of your people. Lord, let dreams that have been abandoned and thrown away be picked up again. Let every God-given dream begin to come alive. Let the power of victory given to your dreams that you have given to your children be made manifest. Lord, please bless your children. Please help them and make them overcome us indeed. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 